Well, welcome to the Rudy Giuliani Show. I am Andrew Giuliani, just sitting in for a segment or two as uh, Mayor Giuliani will be back shortly over here, certainly for the second half of the show. And man, we got another busy news day here. Obviously, the terrible mass shooting in Lewiston, Maine. We're going to get right to that in Israel and the latest. And oh my goodness, Hamas terrorists, they're keeping the humanitarian aid for themselves. Who would have thunk that? Who would have actually thought that these terrorists would be keeping the aid and weren't actually just, I don't know, uh, these altruistic people that would actually give to those in Gaza that are actually suffering under Hamas's oppression. And by the way, there's a new House speaker that I've had the opportunity to interact with a few times down in Washington, D.C. Uh, speaker Johnson, we'll talk a little bit about that. And Jamal Bowman, one of the squad members, he uh, he pled guilty. He pled guilty to pulling the fire alarm. But he's got excuses. He's got excuses, of course, because who would have thought that that little red fire alarm there, that actually was going to set off a fire alarm? I thought that was going to open doors. Uh, That's one of our elected members of Congress. Could you believe it, ladies and gentlemen? But before we get into all of that, uh, I want to take a little reminder here about what's going to start up in two days. You know, we always say election day and And really, it should be Election Day. By the way, before we get into this, I want to remind you, call in 1-800-848-9222, We always talk about Election Day. And trust me, I believe in Election Day. You've heard me time and time again talk about this. But it's turned into Election Week and a Half, basically. And as a conservative, as a Republican in this city— you realize that Democrats are playing by a different set of rules, and we need to make sure that we have a plan. Republicans have a plan, have a voter engagement plan. And it is so important that we actually come out and vote and vote early. And voting starts on Saturday, this coming Saturday. So make sure you're up on all your city council races. Um, Get out there and support your candidate. And the reason why it's so important to actually go and vote early is because these campaigns, as they get down to Election Day, they start going through the most frequent voters. And if the most frequent voters, if they haven't driven them out or if it doesn't seem like it's a high turnout, which it's not going to be a high turnout, then they won't go past the most frequent voters. They call them four out of fours. I don't want to bore you into the actual statistics of this, but basically those that are really plugged in. They need to get out there, and they need to vote early now. Look, I hope one day we get to a point where we will be voting on Election Day again. Or if you do have an absentee ballot, it is requested, and it's connected with your driver's license, your Social Security number. But that's not the system that we're dealing with right now. So instead of yelling and complaining about it, go vote early and vote in person. That's what you should do, and be plugged into your city council races. Very important. Well, look, I want to get now to, before we cover Israel and get into that, I want to talk a little bit about this uh, mass shooting here in Lewiston, Maine. And, and look, this is this is a terrible tragedy. I, I don't really care what gross politicians will use this to benefit their political narrative, because we'll get that on the left. We're already starting to get that on the left. On a human level, it's it's tragic and just, and just very sad. You're already hearing the gun grabbers blame the guns on this, but but think logically about this, right? Let's take the emotions out, which it's always very difficult to take the emotions out 
while we're still in the midst of hunting for this this madman. Taking guns away from legal gun owners, it's, it's not the answer, right? You, you want to talk about mass shootings, let's talk about two things. Mental health, which we absolutely need to talk about when it comes to this. And something that didn't have anything to do with this particular crime, but when you think about the overwhelming majority of those that are killed by guns, it is by illegal weapons, and it is overwhelmingly in the inner cities. Now, of course, the left and most of the leftist media they don't get up in arms whenever there's a somebody killed in inner city Chicago or in New York or San Francisco or L.A. or anything like that because it won't fit their political narrative, right? But now they are going to get crazy on this. And by the way, let's go back to that first part, the mental health part of this, because that did play a massive role with regards to this case, this guy Card, who had these yellow flags, they call them yellow flags, not red flags, up in Maine. But this guy was a sergeant first class and a petroleum supply specialist in the U.S. Army Reserve. He joined back in 2002, had no combat deployments. He recently disclosed mental health issues. And he actually cited auditory hallucinations, including hearing voices and threats to shoot up the National Guard pace in Saco, Maine. So this is a guy who actually was committed to a mental health facility for two weeks this summer. This guy cannot be allowed to get a weapon. I know the yellow flag laws up there did not actually set this off. And trust me, I'm a massive advocate of our Second Amendment. I do not think the solution is going after legal gun owners, especially when you have a government, as we've seen, that is more and more overbearing on its citizens. When you have an FBI and a DOJ that continues to target conservatives as terrorists, giving up the Second Amendment is not the answer to this. But also, we need to make sure we look at those people with mental health issues like this person who's hearing people talk and say no more. And by the way, this may sound brutal or even a little barbaric, but this guy card, right? I mentioned this a few weeks back with pedophiles, and I think you could actually say the same thing with mass shooters. I'll tell you what I said a few weeks back regarding pedophiles. If you've raped a child... I believe you deserve to have your genitals, if you're a male, female too, I guess, but if you're a male, removed. It's a lot cleaner if you're a male. You understand the process there. But I wouldn't just remove them. I would do it in a way that would make others really think, other pedophiles, that is, really think. Would the penalty be so brutal that I might not commit this crime? Right, This is deterrence for future crimes. So I've said this, and again, this is going to sound a little barbaric, but when you think about what pedophiles who rape children do, I think this is more than just. You chop off the genitals one quarter inch at a time, but you let the nerve endings heal. Right? Think about that. Think about how painful that would actually be. But think about the pain that you are causing to that child 
and that child's family. And that's going to make anybody who might be thinking about doing this really think twice. So let's bring that now to what we're dealing with with this sadistic killer card who's hearing things. And I understand if you have somebody who's having mental health issues, you know, this might not be the right answer for somebody that has mental health issues. But you do understand that in a lot of these cases, a lot of these people want to be celebrities, right? They want to actually have this, they're going to go down in a blaze of glory. Well, I'll tell you what, if there is some way to prevent that, to say, you know what, the penalty is so brutal, it's so tough, that I might not actually think about doing that, then why wouldn't we consider that? Now, I know you could say, well, wait a second, this is barbaric, we live in the 21st century over here, but you want to stop this stuff, you need to be ruthless, right? It's that simple. It's a little bit, and this is actually really not a great segue, so I'm not even going to segue to this because I don't want to put anybody in a bad position, but think about that, right? Think about that. Well, look, before we get to Israel, because I know everybody's going to have a lot of questions, and by the way... Call in 1-800-848-9222. I want to talk a little bit about the new speaker, Johnson, who was just elected after 20 days without a House speaker. Um, I think now, you know, when you look at this, and I know that there have been Republicans, Democrats, people from all across the aisle that have been critical of Matt Gates. And look, Gates could not have known that there was going to be an attack on Israel, a terrorist attack on Israel before he started this process. But I do think in looking at this, in looking at what Gates and that crew was trying to achieve, they wanted a speaker that had real conservative values, that was going to bring regular order. They always talked about bringing regular order back on track here in the House of Representatives. We hadn't had a budget funded by regular order, I think it's in 27 or 28 years now. It's been almost three decades, close to three decades, which this is the boring stuff, right? This is the stuff that a lot of the media doesn't like to talk about, but this is really ultimately the job of the House of Representatives. It is to fund our government, and it is to be clear with the American people what we are spending our money on. So that way the the American people can actually have a risk assessment on everything, right? You assess everything in terms of, okay, is it worth funding this? How much are we going to spend on this? Well, what about this? Instead of the continuing resolutions that always end up getting jammed through, have been getting jammed through for 27 years now in Washington, you now have a Speaker of the House that is committed to appropriations. He set a schedule for appropriations. And he said, he said, look, the government is slated to shut down. No funding after November 17th. So this may be ambitious for November 17th, but if we have to have a continuing resolution in order to get the appropriations back on track, we're going to do one until either January 15th or April 15th. And the reason why he said January, April is because he didn't want Christmas break. Basically, what ends up happening is You have these budgets that get signed right around Christmas or a major holiday. A lot of times you'll see this at the end of August. So then that way, or sorry, the end of uh, July, that way these members of Congress have their summer break. 
And so he has a short-term plan and a medium-term plan at how to make Congress more transparent, which I think is actually great. And while Gates is certainly going to take a hit for all this, I think long-term, Matt Gates might have actually done something that could have really helped our country out and really could have helped those people that they're representing. And by the way, I like Johnson, too. I had the opportunity to spend some time with him uh, while I was down in Washington, D.C. I remember specifically one time flying down to Louisiana with the president. I can't remember if it was to go down to the LSU National Championship game. They played the National Championship game in New Orleans against Clemson. I think it was right before the pandemic. Yeah, it probably was that. And Johnson was one of those members that was down there. And I really just thought of him to be, obviously, extremely intelligent and well-spoken. But he didn't seem like that typical sleazy politician that was kind of looking over your shoulder, looked you directly in the eye, came off extremely genuine. I have a little bit of a sixth sense for seeing people that aren't necessarily genuine in, in political circles. Because I've been around this for since I was three years old. I remember being in the back of the room and, and seeing people who would, you know, pat my father on the back there and then kind of look, look the other way when, and do something different when he, was, uh, when he wasn't looking. So I have a little bit of a sixth sense. And Johnson seems like a genuine conservative who I really, really like the fact that we elected here. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break, but come on back on the other side. I know Mayor Giuliani will be back soon. I don't know if he's going to be back next segment, but he should be back here very shortly on The Rudy Giuliani Show. This is Andrew Giuliani. The Rudy Giuliani Show. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Giuliani show. Okay, Mayor Giuliani should be back next segment. This is Andrew Giuliani in his stead here for at least another segment with you. And uh, there's somebody, by the way, call in 1 800 848 and chat with the mayor. You could chat with me too, but especially want to chat with the mayor. Um, I want to talk a little bit about one of the squad members, our favorite group there, the squad, right? How wonderful are they? These anti democratic, anti Semitic. I don't know, scum, right? That's probably the best way to describe them, scum. How about our buddy Jamal Bowman here from New York 16, right? I get that right, New York 16, um, who was just pled guilty to pulling the fire alarm in Congress. Uh, Kind of amazing over here. This is a guy who represents, let's just get right to the cut over here and we'll react to it. Cut 45. Not trying to disrupt any, you know, official government proceedings. I'm glad... You know, the uh, investigation found that that was the case. Uh, the misdemeanor charge of pulling the alarm, I admitted that from the very beginning. So, you know, got to gotta take responsibility. Oh, okay. Well, that's uh, that's great. So what did this guy end up getting? 
$1,000 fine and a little slap on the wrist. It's going to actually, he's got a misdemeanor. It's going to be expunged from his record here very shortly. Uh, kind of amazing when you think about this. This is a member of Congress who one of his excuses is the door was locked and that door is normally open and I was trying to open that door. So what would make him think that that fire alarm, by his explanation, would actually open the door? But this is somebody who's representing us in the U.S. House. It's it's unbelievable when you think about this. And actually, I have Mayor Giuliani who just walked in over here. I want to get his thoughts on this before we get to Israel and some other stuff next segment here. What are your thoughts on a member of Congress pulling the fire alarm, interrupting, even though the DOJ is saying he was not interrupting, interrupting an actual House proceeding, a vote on the House? I think you're being very unfair to him. <laughs> Is this the point when you act as the devil's advocate? Haven't you been confused every once in a while? You just pull the alarm, the fire. (laughs) It has a big thing over it, right? It has like a big plastic thing over it. Yeah. Like like doors don't have big plastic things over it. I'm actually in the process of teaching Grace right now, who is not even two years old, to not pull those red fire alarms. I don't know why I laugh at these things, because they do, as you pointed out, Andrew, they do show... Uh, that we don't have justice in this country. I know this is this isn't as big a matter as some others, but can you imagine if that was uh, Matt Gates? Yeah. Hmm? Oh, forget it. Or uh, or one of those lady, one of the ladies they love to torture. Yeah. Uh, um, Marjorie it, Taylor Greene. Yeah. Right? Yeah, 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 any, yeah. Any yeah anybody. It would be yeah. just forget about it. It'd be it, crazy. If it were Trump or me, they it'd be uh, uh, capital punishment. Yeah, yeah, I think they would actually bring back a guillotine and they yeah. put you guys yeah. in there. Maybe and make, a little make torture before. Torture. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of torture. I had some crazy ideas in that last segment about torture there in terms of pedophiles. I, I know that you ultimately wanted to be the one that could uh, put the bullet in Osama bin Laden's head. Um, what do you think about some of these punishments for? We'll, we'll get to this next segment because we have the music playing us out here. And uh, I want you to think about this for a little bit in terms of how do we stop some of these mass shootings from a mental health perspective? And also, is there a way to actually make the penalty so strict as to prevent them? So, hmm. okay. Let's right, come on yeah, back yeah, on we'll... the Rudy Giuliani show. Mayor is the America's mayor is with us now and he is as strong as ever. <laughs> Well, Andrew Giuliani, back now with America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for filling in for me and giving me a chance to get my hearing done, which we can talk about maybe at some point. Yeah. did <laughs> <laughs> get a lot of fireworks, you'll see. <laughs> okay, so what do you want to talk about here? We obviously have so much going on with Israel here, Hamas terrorists. By the way, you said this a couple days ago on the show. You said this repeatedly. They're actually keeping the humanitarian aid for himself. We have a new Speaker of the House. You have this uh, madman who's still on the on the loose here, killing oh. at least 18 people in, in Maine. How do you want to, uh, what do you want to talk about? Well, I mean that that one is a uh, the, the madman in in Maine. There's no e- there's just no easy answer to that. Uh, uh, this has been true of human behavior forever and ever. We're always we're always going to have that. I think we have. I mean, there are things we can do to tighten it up a little. Mm. Uh, I think I think we have to figure out how much how much information should be given about someone's mental state. Yeah. So people say, well, if somebody comes into a psychiatrist and a psychiatrist kind of feels like the guy is homicidal or whatever, he should report him. But then people won't go into psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. And who, who knows how many we kind of save and stop from doing that because they go to a psychiatrist. 
So this is something I think that really could use some very, very thoughtful, intellectual legislation so that um, we can have these people come forward, but not in a way that's going to stop them uh, from, uh, uh, from getting treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the key to it. I mean, they like to talk about guns, but it really is not guns. It's the fact that the person that has the gun is totally out of control. Yeah. So um, if, if there wasn't a gun, that guy would have found something else. Yeah. I mean, they do mass murders in other countries with swords. Yeah. You know, to me, it's it's apparent, right? When you look at what's happened over the last few years in our country, um, I think you've made mental health so much more worse because you ended up siloing people off oh, oh, for no. years and years at a time there. Mm-hmm. And so the Biden administration is now seizing on this for their own political gain, this situation to say, we need to take away people's Second Amendment rights to bear arms. Um but you're absolutely right, and from a from a mental health perspective, something needs to be addressed. Really, well, yeah. From, if, if, from the if, if you're going to, if you're going, if you're going to touch on the area of balancing rights against public safety, you're going to get a lot more out of a lot more of these mental health people being in, being incarcerated mm-hmm. and being back in institutions. Look, you look at New York; you can drive right along the uh, uh, the, the Triborough Bridge, and you can see that big Goldwater Hospital is empty. Yeah, there were thousands of mentally ill people in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are they using Creedmoor for now? Yeah. <laughs> for the homeless. Yeah, that's exactly There right. are thousands and thousands and thousands of mentally ill people on the streets that would have formerly been incarcerated. And it's really due to the democratic liberal laws that makes it hard to put people in for being uh, mentally ill. Yeah. Very, very hard. Um, used to be two psychiatrists, a family. Now courts will just, no. Look at all the, a lot of these people, there have been attempts to put them in. But we don't put people in uh, in confinement now who are dangerous to themselves or to others. Yeah. Most of them are out on the street. And that's a liberal notion. And that has a lot more to do than guns. There are 300 million plus guns in America. We're never going to get them all off the street. It can be a lot easier to get the mentally ill people off the street. Yeah. Um, new Speaker of the House elected, Johnson. Uh, I don't know if you had the opportunity to work with him some uh, what are your thoughts on the process now that it's played out here? I've never worked with him. I've talked to people who have worked with him. Uh, nothing but good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, very uh, strong conservative, but a very rational, reasonable guy. Very well-liked guy. Yep. I mean, very a lot of volunteering of what a nice guy he is. I think he's genuine. I, I, I've I've seen this a few different times in situations with him, but he seems like he is genuine and principled. And uh, look, I don't know if that's necessarily the uh, the best qualities to have in a Speaker of the House. You need to have somebody who is going to be able to make well, deals at some Well, maybe we need that point. one for a while. Exactly. Because we got so many crooks running around. Exactly. Maybe it would be a good idea if we had a principal guy. <laughs> and also, how about this? He loves America. Yeah. And he puts America first. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a part of this was a certain narcissism that got into it. And, you know, we got it. We got the narcissist in chief in the White House. But, I mean, we had some of it going on. People playing out their own agendas. Country's in too much trouble right now to play out your own agenda. Let's get the country straightened out, and then we can, everybody can play a little. <laughs> but yeah. You can't be doing it when we're on the brink of getting into a massive war. Our economy, uh, just, I mean, Bidenomics is a joke. He's killing himself, Biden, with Bidenomics. Yeah. He's announcing Bidenomics, and people are saying, oh, my food's going up. 
Oh my gosh! There goes the gasoline prices going I, up. I can't believe his. I can't get a house. Look, 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 look at that interest rate. It's like ridiculous. Never heard of that. I can't believe his team actually didn't have the foresight to actually realize that the economy was not a strong suit for them to actually highlight in terms of an ownership perspective that Biden is the reason why you've had inflation going up. And look, I know they tried to put a couple of little lines in there, like we've put it down, right? The Inflation Reduction Act and all that stuff. But it's extremely obvious that. Since Biden came in office, you're paying for, you're paying twice you're paying twice as much, much basically. And of course, the, stuff. Uh, it's wild. Uh, uh, gasoline's going up again. The, the reality is, they've actually given the Republicans a campaign. Uh, the Republicans should, should use Bidenomics. Absolutely. It, when Trump goes up against him one on one, I think you run against Bidenomics. Yeah, uh, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Israel, we've had uh, just today seen that Hamas terrorists are actually keeping the humanitarian aid for themselves to make oh. sure. Could you believe that? What a surprise. I think you've said Show. that a few different times. I'm so sorry you got that wrong. What did Obama tell you to do that? Yeah, it, it has been amazing to me when you think about how, you know, from the international community's perspective, even those that will actually, for very short periods of time, appear like they are supporting Israel, they expect Israel to fight with one hand behind their back. Yeah, but nobody hates Israel more than Obama. Yeah. I mean, Obama, Obama uh, by giving that money to Iran... Uh, in cash, which meant uh, we don't even a middleman. Let's get it right to the terrorists. The guy was showing complete contempt for Israel. I mean, this is a country that is dedicated to wiping out the state of Israel. Uh, the only reason you'd give this country money is if you hate Israel. Yeah. Uh, and nobody can <laughs> pull me around on that well, one. Well, and think about this, right? If you ultimately, and this is what Israel's plan is, right? It's to basically smoke the... Hamas terrorists out of these tunnels, these over 190 miles of tunnels that are in Gaza. If you want to smoke them out and you want to abandon the resources that they ultimately can have there, then if we're going to give humanitarian aid to a terrorist group and they're going to be the ones that are in charge of distributing that, that aid. That includes fuel, by the way. Yes. That includes yes. fuel. Yes. This is, you think the people exactly are right. getting the fuel right. that Hamas is giving in the fuel? You think Hitler would have given the fuel to the people in Berlin right. or taken it for the army? Yeah. That's exactly who do they think Hamas is? I mean, they are this is nobody's making up Hamas. Hamas is a official, legally uh, 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 recognized terrorist group in almost every country in the world. Mm -hmm. It it is a pure, absolute, maniacal terrorist group. And that's why there's support for them by these actors and these other people and particularly Congress people. First Amendment probably prevents it. But it's pretty darn close to a crime. Yeah, I mean, it would be like it would be like uh, supporting this guy uh, up in Maine. Yeah. You know, and saying oh, we should have more people like yeah, you. Yeah, you're you're right. Uh, let's get to a few calls here. Let's go to Neil on line four. Wants to talk about Trump's case here. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. Go ahead. Or, or I should say Rudy. I don't know Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Go, go ahead, Neil. Anyway, uh, uh, my thing uh, was I just wanted to state a few things. You know, they had this uh, New, Jer- New York uh, Executive Law 63-12, which is used to investigate and prosecute cases of civil fraud. Well, like normally, all law is based on injury. And if there's no loss proven, there's no case. So the prosecutor says we don't need to prove any loss, only that you committed fraud by lying about valuations to get a better loan. So the difference is about valuations are just opinions. And uh, I think that like in the rules of law state that only facts can be admitted and not opinions. 
So if he, uh, when the state wants to enter evaluation onto the record, Trump just needs to object on the grounds that it's an opinion. And uh, then when it goes to appeal, uh, any evidence that was entered would not be allowed. Uh, that, that'd be a way to do it. You know, the real thing is, it's, I think the whole case is unconstitutional. I, I, I have criminal uh, uh, pen, penalties, uh, penalties like that for fraud have to be based on have to be based on on uh, damage done when there's no damage done, uh, you know, no fraud, no foul. And the reality is they're depriving a due process. They're trying to take his property without due process. Mm-hmm. So I think he's got an excellent uh, 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 argument to have the whole damn thing thrown out. It's unconstitutional. Plus, the judge is making a record that's almost close to insane. Yeah. I mean, the $18 million uh, valuation from Mar-a-Lago. I keep, uh, like this weekend, yeah, I'll, look at, I'll look at the, um, I'll get the Palm Beach Post mm-hmm. just to look at it. I'll find four or five uh, properties well over that yeah. that are one-tenth the size of uh, Mar-a-Lago. You, you've seen, and you could just go into anything, your post, whatever. I mean, you've seen properties that are a tenth of the size going for $90, $100 million. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, it's, right? his, so it shows the man's actually... Uh, completely biased, yeah. incompetent, the fine that he placed the on judge, him, yeah, viol- the, to get the ACLU to defend Trump. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, that is a big, <laughs> that, that alone should get the judge thrown off the case. What was your take on Michael Cohen yesterday admitting that Trump never told him directly to raise the value of any of his properties? It's the first uh, thing that he said that's true in about five years. That's good. <laughs> I, Michael, maybe, maybe Michael is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been going through, uh, you know, one after another after another. I've never seen a guy lie more than him. Yeah. But it's, I mean, yeah, that, 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 there goes the case again. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty this amazing. This case is, is uh, the best that this incompetent, dishonest, political hack uh, attorney general, James, could do. And it's pathetic. Yeah. And she, she wanted to do a criminal case, and she couldn't. Mm-hmm. So she she did a civil case that isn't a civil case either. Right. But, you know, they're all like that. And why are they all Democratic prosecutors? You know, somebody put out a thing the other day that I'm going to cooperate against uh, Trump. I, I'll cooperate not against Trump or for Trump. I'll cooperate. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you the truth. But then you put me in jail because Trump was innocent. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, it's a great point. You're not right? going to like what I say. All Democratic prosecutors. I'll, and I'll cooperate. Look I, at I these judges. The they're activist judges. I mean, this judge... Is beyond the pale over here. I mean, it reminds me of uh, if Bernie Sanders was the judge, he might actually have a fair trial. Well, what about Fanny, Fanny, Fanny Willis, Fanny, whatever her name yeah, is? Absolutely. I mean, she, uh, she's uh, pro- <laughs> prosecuting for disputing the election. Yeah. Everybody in Georgia was disputing the uh, the election. Mm-hmm. They do the, the uh, 2018 election still hasn't been decided. Yeah, that's exactly right. You've got the the gubernatorial candidate there who still. Well, she was the governor for four years. We just didn't know. That's exactly right. She (laughs) Hillary is still uh, contesting twenty sixteen. She is. They found her in in the woods up there. She's still contesting (laughs) it. Let's go to Mark, who wants to talk about this uh, Lewiston, Maine shooter here on line one. Hey, Mark. Andrew, and your honor, how are you? Good. Go ahead, Mark. I um, I think that this Maine shooter is really a failure of the U.S. military. When you sign up for the military, you, you, you surrender your autonomy. And he's been in the military for some 20 years, and he could easily have been flagged by, by a, a tipster and picked up by the MPs and brought in and given a full psych run, you know, just to see where he was, you know, because yeah. 
obviously, you know, he made he made some effort to uh, to reveal himself as having problems, and nobody listened to him. Yeah. So it's like the military's got to take care of their own. It reminds me of a kid sometime not six months ago or maybe eight months ago who also did the same thing. He was. He was flagged as being uh, mentally unfit for the military. Maybe the maybe the military should focus more on taking care mentally and and making sure that that our veterans and those who are still in the service still have the resources necessary, whether it's from the mental health perspective, and less concerned with you know gender bending surgeries, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. this guy could have been easily brought in and and detained. You know, you you surrender your autonomy when you're in the military. They could say, you're on a special mission. You have to stay with us until we decide what, what we're going to do with you. And and he would have no option but to go with them. You know, you you, you don't have to, like, worry about his civil rights or anything because, you know, the military enrollees have fewer civil rights than most of us. They they, they actually put themselves, their bodies uh, in harm's way, and uh, and they and they signed it away. So the fact that they get picked up by MPs and, and brought for a – for a full psych evaluation before they're released to the public as a, as a normal citizen after sometimes after they serve and they, and they've been through the whole military training and they're, and they're like just itching to kill somebody and nothing ever happened with that. Well, you know, they, they release them to the streets and who knows Ma- what happens. Mark, it's, it's a great call. And, and I think so many of our veterans and those uh, that are in active service now, um, We've, uh, in many ways, as many parts of our society, not everybody, because trust me, there are a lot of people that I know that are putting this front and center. But, uh, you know, in the public consciousness, a lot of times we forget about them and making sure that we actually do right by them. When you think about the opportunity that they give us to practice our First Amendment rights right here on air, right? That's, uh, we need to make sure we take care of them. Well, look. You come on right back for the mayor's final thoughts, where Mayor Giuliani will give the final thoughts, as always. And uh, we'll see you in a couple minutes. Rudy Giuliani. And now it's time for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation Mayor's Final Thoughts. Well, Welcome back, and this is uh, Rudy Giuliani. I want to thank my son, Andrew. You can't imagine how proud I am, of course, and uh, what a great job he did uh, filling in while I uh, had to have this hearing, which I'm going to try to figure out a way I can talk to you about, because you should know about it. And uh, But remember, Tunnels of Towers, they are the sponsor of the mayor's final thought, they're the sponsor of many things on WABC and for me and for Janine and for Greg. And uh, they're just wonderful people. There's no organization better than Tunnels to Towers. They take care of our most important people, the men and women in uniform who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. And they're there with the check to pay the mortgage on the home or with the money and the expertise necessary to build a smart home. So you have a maximum degree of independence. So please, $11 a month, that's it. Keep doing it every month, and they'll be able to do their miracles. And you'll feel like you're a loyal, good, decent person and American. I would like to spend my final, final uh, thoughts today on anti-Semitism. And I do because 
there is something different about anti-Semitism. Prejudice, racism, ethnic prejudice, all forms of it are um, a horrible dehumanization of uh, God's creation. And they're all equally bad and equally terrible and can all result in uh, uh, tremendous violence and horrible acts. It is true in America, in our history, racism, particularly since it started with slavery, took on a special, in in a bad sense, a special place. Because it was an evil, it was an evil done by uh, the whole part of the government, particularly in the South, and uh, it was an evil that dehumanized a whole group of people by race. Uh, now that doesn't mean we didn't have uh, uh, so the second largest group of people that were lynched were Italian Americans. Italian Americans uh, uh, experienced uh, horrible. Uh, prejudice when they came here and and a possible individual case for a particular italian american could be just as bad as it was for a, for a black person and the irish uh, went through that when when they came over particularly the ones that were sent off to fight in the civil war for the rich people who could who could pay bribes to get them to go fight in the, in the civil war uh the same thing for the hispanic people but racism something different about it it lasted way beyond uh, the emancipation, way beyond freedom. It lasted for a hundred more years with, with the civil rights movement. And having said all that, there's nothing uh, like anti-Semitism. It's um, almost so bad it seems to inhere in the human spirit. I mean, I used to, as a young uh, boy, feel guilty about it to some extent because I grew up as a very uh, fervent Catholic and wanted to be a priest for a good deal of my time. And many of my friends were were my friends were all Jewish and Irish. And I would uh, when I first heard about anti-Semitism, I couldn't understand it, and I thought it was so hateful. And I, I kind of attributed it, really, to uh, Christianity because of maybe anger over the perception that people had about the killing of Christ. And then I realized, of course, as I became more educated, that anti-Semitism predates Christianity by a thousand years. When, when we talk about slavery, I mean, the Egyptians held... Who? Slaves. The Jews. Uh, they're, they're, uh, all through Old Testament, there are attempts to not just kill Jewish people, like, you know, to kill black people or to kill Italian-Americans or to kill Hispanics. They want to wipe them out. There's this thing about anti-Semitism that takes it to the final degree, which is why it's so dangerous. I thought we were getting a handle on it. We're not. It's getting It's worse. And it has a tendency to go to the ultimate more than the others. So let's get control of it and stop it in Congress. Stop it. God bless America. We'll be back tomorrow.